T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome. Hey, uh, so yes, Olivia from the last hour did uh, reach out to me. So uh, I want to I want to see what her artwork looks like, and with her permission, uh, put some pictures up on uh, the Bowerly on WBEN Facebook page. Why not? Uh, it's her stuff. As long as she gives me written permission, I can do that. Anyway, it's uh, eleven minutes after four at News Radio nine thirty WBEN. Dave Callie and uh, Josh Schmidt at Master Control today, and uh, Nathan is. Um, he is supervising. Nathan, the engineer. Anyway, uh, well, you ever notice that everybody named Nate is cool? If you name your kid Nate, it's going to be a cool kid. I'm just saying. I mean, we got the exception, but it, everybody named Nate is, is cool. Anyway, had a fascinating medical discussion with the boys in the next room. Uh, Josh missed out on some of it, but uh, Dave and Nate were not spared the uh, details of uh, what was going on. Anyway, um, how are you? Good to be with you. Hey, we've been talking about music, and this whole conversation started because well, David Crosby died yesterday. And David Crosby, look, I, I didn't agree with his politics, and I thought he was a total hypocrite. H how do you... How do you scream, eat the rich, when you've got a net worth in the tens of millions of dollars? Seems a little hypocritical to me, just saying. So politically, uh, you know, absolutely wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have been chums. Actually, uh, David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash played a show in Niagara Falls at the convention center. Can you say bad acoustics? Yeah, bad acoustics. But they played a show at the Niagara Falls Convention Center, and I, I, I when we were walking into the show... Who walks right by me? David Crosby. And I remember thinking at the time, he's probably going out to get drugs. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what was happening. I've never seen a performer walk through a crowd of the fans coming in to see him or her in my entire life. Uh, did see Rick Springfield after a show. Minus his fake hair and his, yeah, his, with his glasses on, not his contacts in. But uh, he was a very nice guy, Rick Springfield. Uh, but uh, David Crosby didn't say anything to me, but uh, I was just stunned. Why is he walking through the crowd? And uh, the other thing is uh, uh, David Crosby was a guest on, Larry King used to have a radio show late at night. And then for a while, Larry King had a radio show in the early evening. So one night he was on the, uh, the radio and he had David Crosby on as a guest when David was pimping his book and actually got through and had a chance to speak to David Crosby. And uh, I was so fast because I, I knew how Larry King was. I was so fast. I literally got in three questions 
in 10 seconds, maybe 15 seconds, but uh, Crosby remembered every question I asked him, and I was just thinking about that last week, and I didn't even want to say that because you guys are going to think I'm making stuff up, but it's uncanny the number of times where something will hit me out of the blue about a performer, and I look up something, or I remember uh, an encounter, and then very shortly thereafter, they uh, they die. I mean, I could show you my my internet browsing history. Well, I don't want to show you that, but I, I could I, I could show you the uh, the edited internet browser history and, and show you that uh, yeah, I've been watching CSN at Woodstock. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes later on in their career. But what is your go to music? Your go to music. My go to is classic rock. The stuff that I grew up with. Also liked the 80s stuff. Didn't always like the 80s stuff. Only liked it after Nerds Gone Wild. Seeing it done live. Seeing how much fun it could be. Yeah, they play it at a faster tempo than it was originally recorded. But the 80s stuff, again, grew up in it. Didn't appreciate it. I appreciate it now. And it's the same thing with groups like uh, Hall & Oates and the Bee Gees and ABBA uh, and... uh, Uh, Jeff Lynn, Electric Light Orchestra. You know, growing up, I took them for granted. But as I progressed in life, and a lot of you have had the same experience, the stuff that you used to not like suddenly becomes stuff that is almost holy and sacrosanct. Example, Bee Gees. Like I told you, look up online, Bee Gees, one night only, and it is absolutely awe-inspiring. Had no idea the Bee Gees wrote Islands in the Stream, a song that was popularized by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. And apparently Kenny Rogers was going to do it solo, couldn't quite cut it. They brought in Dolly Parton, and the rest is duet history. It's one of the greatest duets ever. But the Bee Gees wrote that song. And in Vegas, that one-night-only show, they did it uh, as it was done by uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Uh, Islands in the Stream. Never liked the song until I saw the Bee Gees doing it live, well, on YouTube, and fell in love with that and said, you know what? I used to mock the Bee Gees. I really like the Bee Gees. They're freaking awesome. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Tim in Lockport, thank you for holding. You are on. What's your story, sir? Hey, Tom. Uh, good to have you. I'm, uh, I'm the same age as you, pretty much, and I... I say music is memories. I can remember being in the playground of South Buffalo's public school, 29, listening to the Beatles, Obla D, Obla Da, in the late 60s. And I was just probably, you know, a preteen kid. And then listening to Casey Kasem and having a cassette deck tape recorder, not even a deck, but a, a typical cassette tape recorder, and waiting to get your favorite song on his top 40 and get those because I couldn't afford the 77 cent, uh, you know, 45, which my first 45, which you'd probably appreciate first 45 record I ever bought was Loudon Wainwright, the thirds dead skunk in the middle of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least, at least it wasn't David Allen Coe, three biggest lies. Yep. (laughs) And then uh, I think the next one I bought was uh, rambling man by the Allman brothers. And then, I can remember my first album was Endless Summer, the Beach Boys. So I'm kind of eclectic. I'm a folk rock guy from Bruce Springsteen to James Taylor to Jackson Brown to CSNY to Frank Sinatra to ELO. I was a huge ELO fan. I just listen, I'm just i literally driving listening to Tightrope hmm. off of the New World Record album. 
Um, have you seen, and by the way, if you want to get in on this and tell us what is your go-to music, it's uh, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN, your go-to music. Um, I was going to ask you something about uh, ELO. Oh, have you seen Live at Wembley? Yes, I have. I've seen, and I've seen ELO when they, when they came to Buffalo. And what? I remember back in the day, Tom, they used to be, uh, remember they were like the late 70s? There was a big thing where they were knocked because they used pre-recorded, you know, <laughs> parts of the music in the background. Do you yep. remember that? Yep. Yeah, now now everybody does it. And, you know, it was uh, uh, there was a Beatles tribute band that was supposedly really, really good. And when we saw them, we got seats really up close. This is going back to the early 2010s. And I realized yep. that I realized that they were lip syncing some of the stuff. I couldn't believe it. Like I thought it was live. It was lip syncing. I mean, yeah, but you know, Jeff Lynn is just he's a I, he basically produced and pretty much wrote, and I think he played most of the instruments on all that stuff too. Well, he had uh, he had a great uh, backup band. Uh, did um, did Jeff Lynn of Electric Light Orchestra? Um, when you and Jeff Lynn, by the way, here's here's what's really funny. He actually produced. Um, later in their careers, he was part of the production team for the Beatles and the Electric Light Orchestra. And John Lennon may have said this first was like the child of the Beatles. So what ELO was doing was what uh, was what the Beatles probably would have done that general direction had they stayed together. And um, there was one song. Um, was it "Hold On Tight to Your Dreams"? Uh, which was, uh, I think, in the early 1980s, ELO. See, this was before the Internet, okay? If you wanted to know something, you had to look it up, and you had to be expert before you spoke. So uh, I'm coming in to do a talk show after just hearing that song on the radio. I remember coming in as this young, stupid talk show host saying, wow, Jeff Lynn is trying to sound like the Beatles. He's trying to sound like John Lennon without even understanding, knowing that Jeff Lynn had been a part of the Beatles production team all those years ago. Oh, absolutely. One thing I would say is that I think, like I say, music is memory, but it also, you know, it's something that you can pass on to your to your kids. And I, um, you know, I've got three children, uh, 30, 25 and 22. And my son was asking me, uh, well, first of all, my I for years, I had basically Rubbermaid containers of probably about 1500 albums and another thousand CDs. And I could never find a place to kind of really set it up. And so finally we moved into an old house in Lockport, found this great closet with, you know, huge shelves and ceilings. I went and, you know, got my turntable and my receiver, set it up. And now it's like the envy of all my friends. And my 22-year-old son wanted it, was begging me to take a Rolling Stones, you know, some girl's album to college with him. I said, you're not touching any of these. Hmm. We're taking them back and play them here but you can't take him to your friend's dorm room. That's not going to happen. But, I mean, it's something that just every time you pick up one of those albums or a liner note, it brings you back to a memory when you were 17 or 18 or, you know, or 22. And, and the eclectic mix of stuff that we would listen to back then is you are correct. a great uh, number. Yeah, Some Girls is a phenomenal album. Um, I, you know, people thought the Stones died in the 60s. No, they didn't. Some Girls from the late 70s was just a trip, man, just a trip. Thank you very much. I appreciate your call, Tim. 
Take care. What Bye-bye. is your go-to music? Uh, we're going to have State Senator Minority Leader Robert Ort with us after the news at 4.30. Well, I'm glad we got one person who agree about Yacht Rock. Let's go to, and uh, Olivia from California, a big Hall & Oates fan. So my weekend is made already. Angelo in Lewiston on WBEN. Hello, your go-to music, sir. Uh, my go-to music is alternative. Uh, Cure, Echo and the Bunnymen. I mean, there's all kind of new order. Uh, I just been listening to that for 40, 40 years now. In fact, there's a good song out now by a guy called Talk. It's called "If I Run Away to Mars." <laughs> that's that's the newest one, you know. But there's all, all kinds of good alternative stuff, and I was fort- we were fortunate to be around 102.1 in Toronto, which set up the alternative. I mean, in this area, it's not like it was, but. Back in the 80s and 90s, it had some great, great stuff. Very romantic, you know, uh, upbeat stuff like The Cure did. uh, I mean, uh, Pictures of You. And um, I can't think of them right now, but uh, Echo and the Bunnymen did a song called Killing Moon. But they also did... um, uh, uh, Well, I can't think of them, but... That's my go-to music, anyway. You know, Angela. One of the things uh, when I when I hear the word alternative, alternative yeah. to what? I'm not trying to be a wise guy. Well, I'm just like sincerely actually, asking you. Well, it was not real mainstream. You know, a couple stations played it, but not a lot. You know, and they just call, they called it alternative. Now it's called new music. You know, there's a you know new order and. Uh, uh, I mean, these bands didn't play in Los Angeles. They didn't get played in. They were from a lot of them were from uh, New England, from England rather, and and it, it, they just played uh, cool up. I mean, you could even say that. Uh, who's the band that you like that you mentioned earlier? The the um, the, the Bee Gees. Yeah, right? yeah. They were kind of an alternative band, but they became mainstream. You know. And and there's the Cure really the biggest alternative band. They're probably one of the top ten bands of all time, but you wouldn't know that. You know what I mean? A lot of people wouldn't even know that. But they they just had their 40th anniversary in Hyde Park Stadium a couple years ago. Forty years. That that, see that's amazing. You talk about alternative music and then 40 years. I'm thinking, damn. 40 years, right? Yeah. Right, but but you wouldn't hear them on uh, you know 97, or you wouldn't hear them. You hear them on the stations that play them. You don't right. hear them that much anymore, but in the 80s and 90s, I mean, Robert Smith did some phenomenal stuff, very romantic stuff, very, you know, it's just, I don't know. No, good, good stuff, Angelo. Up. Thank you. Thank you for the call right, from I Lewiston. It. Yeah. yeah. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I wasn't expecting to call on Alternative, and uh, Angelo, he's not 20 years old. And it's kind of cool, but you know, as far as your kids inheriting your music, are the Beatles a generational thing, or I'm sorry, an intergenerational thing? Will there ever come a time when the Beatles are not listenable, where they're just totally irrelevant? Um, obviously, there will come a time. Will it be in the immediate future? Um, I I don't know. And then you know, some people just hate the Beatles. Not many people, but some people just. And I don't know if they're just trying to be contrarian. But uh, the Beatles suck. Totally overrated. Sounds like something I'd say, right? But uh, I won't say that about the Beatles. It is. Um, 
what is it, 427 at News Radio 930 WBEN. So here's the game plan. We've got State Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort coming up after the news at 430. And I promised you a UFO show. So it might be an awkward transition, but I made the promise. I, I just didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So it might sound a little bit awkward, but I'm just laying out the game plan for you on News Radio 930 WBEN. So, uh, you know, you don't think, wait, one minute he's talking about David Crosby, the next minute he's talking about gas, then he's talking about UFOs. What's wrong with that boy? Good news is most people don't listen four hours a day. I wish you did four hours a day every single day, but that's, that's not really practical. I mean, I'd like to think it is, but I know it's not. It doesn't affect the ego, don't worry. I mean, I listen to David Bell. I See, I love listening to David, but I sometimes have to turn it off because I don't want to copy his stuff. That's I do that with a, like, I, I, when I listen to the radio, I do it in a different way than you do. So uh, I just, I don't want to rip off anybody. I mean, I'll glean factoids, but I always try to credit David or Mazarowski and Beamer or Susan Rose, you know, with with whatever I hear that I use, steal, use, assimilate, steal. Okay. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. And what time is it? It's exactly 4.38. Well, plus 22 seconds by the time you hear it. And uh, joining us right now live on News Radio 930 WBEN, we have the state Senate Minority Leader, Rob Ort. Senator, thanks very much for joining us. It is appreciated. Tom, no worries. Good to be with you. Well, first things first. Um, where does this whole natural gas hookup and appliance ban, where does it stand right now? So as of right now, it, 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 it's a proposal. There's two sort of areas I guess you could point to. One is it, it, it was included, uh, a natural gas ban was included as part of the Climate Action Report that was produced as a result of the Climate Leadership and Protection Act passed in 2019. Now, you don't probably you might not remember that act. Uh, it was passed in 19. It was at two thirty in the morning. Uh, so most of uh, your listeners are probably sleeping. Uh, I debated the bill, so I remember it very, very well. Uh, it created this climate action council, which then issued this report on recommendations to reduce emissions and and fight so-called uh, climate change. Um, the governor sort of cherry picked this one in her state of the state. Uh, and, and included it in her state of the state address. There's not a bill, there's not a, 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 a detailed proposal in front of the legislature, but make clear it has to be voted on at some point uh, by the legislature. So either it's going to be part of the budget or this session. Uh, but as of right now, it's really just a broad proposal um, that's coming out of sort of the far left climate action, climate activists, uh, and the governor included that in her state of the state. Um, about a, you know two weeks ago, are these people aware that uh, Earth climate changes? Um, and if it didn't, I mean, well before any man-made emissions, uh, you know, doing this radio show twelve thousand years ago, I'd be covered by a mile and a half glacier. But climate change came along, melted the glaciers, created the Great Lakes, the Finger Lakes, the escarpment, and every other geographical feature of our area. So I, at this point, I probably can't tell you what they're aware of or what they're unaware of. Uh, I'm not very damn surprised. But I will say this. Even more, I'll get more micro. The New York State is responsible for 0.04% of global emissions. The notion that New York State is going to solve whatever changes are going on in the planet like as if as if banning your gas stove or your gas furnace is somehow going to stop the the climate forces that are at work that you alluded to, when at the same time we're going to shift to all electric. You know how most electricity is produced, coal, mm. which is one of the dirtiest uh, forms of of energy production or power production. Uh, and of course, this doesn't. Other states aren't doing this. Other countries certainly aren't doing this. So we're not even solving. We're not even even being serious. Uh, even if you support, you know, some of the the, the attempts to, to uh, reduce emissions, this is not going to do it. But the impact on our economy, the average cost to homeowners to fully electrify their home is estimated between twenty five thousand and fifty thousand dollars. That is egregious. But that's what it's going to cost homeowners, let alone businesses and the state, municipalities, the whole thing. So uh, this is bad policy. There's no reward. There is a lot of damage and cost. Uh, and that's why we're sort of raising awareness to get people. This Something could happen. 
I don't want people to think this is just like a goofy thing. This, this can happen, but it has to be voted on by the legislature. So I think it's important for your listeners, contact your state assemblyman, contact your state senator, let them know how you feel. Uh, I'm sure they'll be very happy to hear from you. Uh, and they should know how you feel because this is a bad policy for New York and certainly for Western New York. State Senator uh, Minority Leader Robert Ort is with us on News Radio 930 WBEN. Senator, where does this uh, proposal leave propane and the burning of wood uh, in wood stoves or in uh, uh, fireplaces? So her her proposal specifically that she outlined um, dealt with fossil fuel. Uh, um, based energy sources. Um, but there, the Climate Action Council, there's recommendations in there. Now, this Climate Action Report has to be, you know, it, it's going to be acted upon by the legislature, either rejected, it can be acted upon in part or in whole. And there are recommendations in there to do away with propane home heating oil. So basically, at, you know, at some point, whether it's 2030 or 2028, the state is pushing, the Democrats, I shouldn't say even this, the Democrats are pushing for full electrification of every building. So if you use home heating oil or propane or natural gas, they, 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 they're going to say you cannot use that any longer. You have to electrify your house and retrofit your house uh, to be all electric. So and, all and pro- those energy forms. Propane is uh, a fossil fuel. Jeffrey. Propane is a fossil fuel. That's right. That's right. And, and where, where does that leave? Where does that leave wood? Because I have a lot of interest in that. So, the wood piece, I know that that sort of um, that got a lot of uh, traction because at one time this Climate Action Council that I referenced, they did push out there the idea of banning wood burning fireplaces or wood burning stoves. I have not seen that in the report, nor do I know that do, do I. Have I seen that as part of the most recent proposal that she's putting forward? So for the moment, wood-burning you know, fireplaces or stoves uh, do not seem to be in immediate jeopardy. But l- let's be clear. If they can ban your gas stove or your gas range or your dryer, it's only a matter of time before you know, they, 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 they move beyond that. So, excuse me, right now this is a proposal that was made by the governor in her state of the state speech. Nothing has been clocked in uh, in the state legislature. Uh, But, again, we've seen this state move with uh, alacrity in the cover of night on unpopular legislation such as NYSAFE, which, despite protest after protest, New York's gun laws have only become more restrictive and not less restrictive, which, uh, you know, for many people is uh, an egregious offense against the Second Amendment. Um, Is there – are you hearing anything – about when the governor's office will ask people to introduce this into the legislative process? So I have not specifically heard from either from her office or, or through channels. Uh, my expectation is a lot of times, at least in my time in Albany, the state of the state, whatever's in there, whether it was Governor Cuomo or now Governor Hochul, usually that is then followed up or contained in the governor's budget. Now, her, she has not uh, introduced her budget. She has to, uh, on my understanding is by law, she has to deliver a budget to us no later than February 1st. So my expectation is here in the next week or so. She's been obviously uh, a little busy um, uh, with her 
judicial judicial nomination that mm-hmm. was uh, blocked by uh, the the Senate Democrats. But she has got to deliver that uh, budget address to the legislature no later than February 1st. My expectation, Tom, is there somewhere in that budget presentation will contain this proposal in more detail. And the significance there is that budget, as it goes through negotiations with the Senate and Assembly, ultimately, by April 1st, under law, has to be voted on by both the Senate and the Assembly. And so you could be looking at around an April 1st time frame when something like this would be voted on, if you would, as part of the New York state budget. Senator, given the the hegemonic control of the legislative and the executive branches by the radical left wing of the Democrat Party and the power of New York City, does anything we say west of the Hudson make a bit of difference? You know, I I know exactly why you asked that question, and and sometimes, sometimes the answer to that, I think, is no. So I, I will just be very honest. There's no no point in saying otherwise because your listeners, uh, uh, you know, they've they, they already know the answer. Sometimes the answer is no. Um, obviously, as an elected representative here in New York, uh, in Western New York, you know, I have to go and give voice to these things for you know, giving voice to my constituents uh, in Albany. So even in you know even in losing battles, you have to raise uh, raise the concerns, raise the issues, debate the legislation. Use everything you can to try to stop it or make it, you know, change it or, or or have some impact on it. I do think on this, because it is new, and because it is it is you know sort of a I think a, a very unique piece of legislation. Uh, I haven't heard you know in all the time I've been in Albany, Tom. I I don't remember anyone coming up to me and saying you know Senator you got to do something about gas stoves. That's the big threat to New York State. Um, and so I do think with this we do have an opportunity um, if. Democrat legislators, because it isn't just New York City. You know, there are senators here in Western New York and Rochester and Syracuse, uh, even, you know, in parts of upstate but south of here. uh, They have been quiet on these kinds of issues, and they're not going to be able to avoid this one. This one's going to come to a vote, and it's important that they understand how bad this will be, and they need to believe that there's at least some political price to pay. So I would tell you if you're a Democrat out there and you're listening, um, at some point you have to say enough is enough. Uh, this is beyond the pale uh, and doesn't do a damn thing to advance any of the goals that it lays out. All it does is make it makes it more expensive for me to live here. It makes it less reliable. It further restricts my freedom. And for what? Uh, this is why we're losing people. Uh, 64,000 to Florida, as reported today in the New York Post. So uh, sometimes it doesn't, Tom. That, and that's, that's the hard answer. Uh, but, you know, we fight like hell uh, to try to make sure that uh, sometimes it does. I mean, Senator, we just had a blizzard in western New York. 50 <laughs> people, yep. roughly yep. 50 people died in that blizzard, several died. of whom died. Yep. They froze to death in their own homes. Does that not yep. even get any attention or any consideration? It's amazing that you would have a governor from western New York propose this, right? Like, given what you just said, and there is obviously a lot of uh, failures and 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 uh, uh, pointed criticism at, at a lot of different levels of government as a result of that blizzard. But you bring up a great point. You know, we're, we talk about stoves and furnaces and you know your your dryer, but there's real life and death con- uh, 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 consequences to something like this because 
how many people lost electricity. They lost electric power. And maybe the only reason they were able to keep heated was because of their natural gas stove, the boil water to heat the home, the furnace, whatever it was, their natural gas fireplace. You take that all away, how many more people are now freezing in their home? How many more people are now in danger uh, when they lose their electricity? Uh, By the way, from a grid that is already overburdened, you can ask the folks at National Grid uh, or any utility, they will tell you that this is not feasible without significant investment into the grid, uh, which no one also seems to be addressing. So I think it's a great point you raise. The idea that we have a governor from Buffalo and we just had maybe the worst storm, certainly in my lifetime. I'm 43 years old. Um, you're not much older. It's, this is one of the worst storms we've seen in our lifetime. And for a governor from New York, who still lives here at least some of the time, uh, to propose this, it, it either defies logic or she just doesn't care anymore and she's just gone full in with the folks from Brooklyn and Manhattan and uh, you know other parts uh, of New York State. Well, I mean, I, I, look, uh, history has shown that, uh, you know, look, I, and I know politicians of both parties are responsible for this, but I, I've never seen a reptilian shapeshifter when it comes to uh, public policy like Kathy Hochul. She's running for Congress uh, in a red district. She says one thing. She's the governor of New York. She says something completely the polar opposite. It's almost like she has no principles. We all change our opinions, but her opinion changes seem to be with Kathy Hochul in mind, not the rest of yeah, well, her opinion changes are, are, are a little more rapid than I think most people's. Um, you know, outside of Kirsten Gillibrand, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> you know, they both, you know, there could be like a, a good competition there. But you, but you bring up a good point, right? You know, Kathy Hochul, when she was our member of Congress, and I say ours, meaning she represented a lot of my current district and where I live, she was backed by the NRA in 2012 when she ran against Chris Collins. She made her name, if you remember, as county clerk, standing up to then-Governor Elliot Spitzer, saying she was not going to issue driver's licenses to people who were not in the country legally. Um, So she made a name for herself as sort of a very practical, uh, common-sense Western New York Democrat, ran in a red district, as you pointed out, won. I think by most people's feelings, represented it fairly, you know, in the middle. Um, ultimately lost in a close election, became the lieutenant governor. And I think when she became the governor, a lot of people thought we were going to get that version of Kathy Hochul, right? The Kathy Hochul that they remembered as county clerk from the Hamburg board uh, as their congressperson. And unfortunately, and I really mean that sincerely for the sake of the state of New York, we have not gotten that version. That version, I don't know if it will ever come back or if that was even the real version. Because uh, what we've seen since then is a very, very leftward-facing, progressive-facing uh, governor who's so eager to gain favor down in New York City. And as we just saw, as I alluded to with her judicial nomination, it's clearly not working because it was the New York City progressives that just basically rejected her judicial nomination uh, because it was not progressive enough. Hmm. Not- yeah. Liberal enough. So, like I said, many of us in Western New York feel as though this state is run for the comfort and convenience of New York City, and the rest of us can pound salt, shut up, and just continue to pay the bills. Um, I, I want to ask you because you brought this up before, and I think this is very uh, this is very important. What they want to do 
when they eliminate natural gas is go all electric. But as you pointed out, our electric grid can barely handle the demands now. It cannot handle the demands in a hot western New York summertime. How in the world is it supposed to absorb all of the new electrical stuff that people will be plugging in at home, not to mention the EVs that have to be charged up? There's no way the system can handle it. I can see it as clear on the nose, as clear as the nose on my face. You know, <laughs> you can, your, your listeners can, a lot of people can, uh, and, 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 and I want to say this, they can too. That just gets in the way. Of, of sort of the virtue signaling, right? It, this is really about, it's not almost even about whether we can do it or the cost of doing it or the impact. It's just, there's this drive, there's this need, particularly on the left, when it comes to this issue with the climate justice issue that we have to virtue signal. We gotta say, we're gonna cut emissions yesterday. We're gonna be to zero emissions. We're gonna, you know, even, even things that you can't do like this, timelines you can't meet, uh, infrastructure. But those things get in the way of the talking point, which is we're doing something to fight back against climate change. We're doing something to save the planet. And nobody ever says, A, you said you are, but are you really? Is this really going to make any tangible difference? B, can you actually do the things you're saying you do? And maybe people have just become so disillusioned with elected officials saying things that they can't do, that maybe no one no one is bothered by that anymore. But the they should be bothered by this because this is going to have a real negative impact. Because if if the grid can't handle it, and right now it can't, as you alluded to, so there's got to be significant investment in the grid. Well, where's that going to come from? How much is that? I mean, we, I know it's going to come from. It's going to come from you and I. But how much is that? What's the cost of that? Were the were the utility companies included in that discussion? You know, these are things that today I think there was a rough estimate of $276 billion over 30 years. Now, where that number came from, I have no idea. Hmm. But that came out of a, a hearing that happened in Albany yesterday. Uh, my expectation with government estimates, I'm sure much like yours, <laughs> is they're almost always incorrect. Yeah, always low. Almost, I, I don't even know one. And they're also low. They're, they're never above, right? It's never like, oh, we were wrong. It's less. It's always more money. And so if, if it's more, and that means, is it $300 billion? Is it $400 billion? I mean, what is the amount of money? But again, those are questions, Tom, we, we, those, that gets in the way. It's not about how much it's going to cost. It's the cost of doing nothing. That's always what I get back from now this, some of my colleagues. This whole situation is uh, it's beyond the pale to me, and frankly, I have not seen an issue generate this much interest from people in the audience in many a year. Uh, I mean, NY Safe certainly did, but that was mostly gun owners. This affects everybody, and last time I checked, whether somebody's on the left or the right, we all need to heat our homes, and we all want to do it without breaking the bank, and we all occasionally like a hot meal. And I, I look forward to getting you on again, uh, Senator, uh, when we can have some more time and uh, take some calls from people. I know that you are a very busy man with constituent services and uh, making sure that you take care of business here, but when when we can set it up, I'd love to get, to, uh, get you back for a long Longer time. Tom, I'd be happy to do that. I, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you doing talking this story. And I'll just close by saying, you know, you talk about the volume of calls you're getting uh, on this. It's the same for I've been out. You know, I go, you know, you go out to dinner, you're out at a, a holiday party, what have you. I have ha never had just random folks 
coming up to me saying, I can't have my gas stove anymore. Like this really is one of these issues that I, and I think therein lies maybe the chance to stop it because I, I get the sense that this is not a Democrat or Republican issue. I think there's a lot of folks, regular people, people who don't pay attention to politics that are looking at this going, what in the hell is going on and why are we doing this uh, right now with all the challenges we face? I didn't know that gas appliances was one of them. So, uh, you know, we're going to continue to oppose this and educate people. And I appreciate uh, you doing that as well. All right, Senator, thank you uh, very much. Appreciate your time. And yeah, it was just yesterday when natural gas was a great alternative to Middle East energy, and it was clean, burning, efficient natural gas. And now it has become Satan's flatulence. It is uh, 4.59 at News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, we'll have traffic coming up during the news at uh, 5 o'clock, and we will get State Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort back with us later on uh, in a d- different show. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.